From a small Borscht Belt resort in the Catskills, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Saturday Night, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. So you can get ready. Uh, Mark, what are you? Uh, what are you showing me? The, the, the time. It's ten oh, the time. I thought you were showing that photo. This is my mommy and yeah. daddy's wedding photo. That's nice. Uh, Nineteen sixty-two. Wow. Um, so anyway, it's ten oh three. Yes. Do you want to be? What do you want to be? You can go into that room, close the door. Okay. And talk. I got. I got to do a, a radio thing uh, right at the end of the show. So we're, we're gonna have to break the show early if they if they call me in. So uh, yeah. All right. I'll do that. Wait. Well, we started. We're starting. <laughs> We started the show. <laughs> you didn't you said, tell you me said, that. You, you said start recording the show. I guess I, I did. Got, yeah, so I, yes, we're, we're on the record now. I said the words mommy and daddy on the show. Yes, you did. Aww. It's cute. That's very sweet. That was my mommy and daddy's wedding picture from 1963. That's right. my iPhone thing, Madougal. That's right. So I got my phone here, and uh, if you know, we're gonna, so we're going to break the show early. It's going to be a short show this week. Um, but wait, do you wait? But you have to have ice cream. Oh, oh, hit me, hit me, ice cream me. Uh, you, you, here's what I have this week. You ready? Yes. Tiramisu ice cream. I teased it last week. Do it. So I'm going to get you the tiramisu ice cream. Do it. And you talk about whatever crap I'm talking about some anime, actually. Uh, a lot of cool stuff from Viz. Uh, the, uh, the wonderful people at Viz Anime who distributes through Warner Brothers. Uh, I, you know, I tend to really... The, the Viz stuff is a little bit different from the Funimation stuff, which is different from the other stuff. You know, they all kind of uh, have their thing that they go after. Uh, Lagrange, uh, the, uh, the flower of... Uh, well, I'm not even going to... It just... I don't even know what the, the point of some of these titles are, but uh, the flower of Rin Ni... This is actually, I'm not that familiar with this, but it's, uh, it's kind of cool. I always enjoy anime with uh, big-eyed, cute women in skimpy outfits doing sci-fi stuff. That's and every anime. Here, uh, it uh, kind of is. Try, this is Tiramisu Ice Cream. So anyway, this is, se- here we have, we have uh, season two of Lagrange right here, uh, episodes one and through twelve. Uh, I found it thoroughly and entirely entertaining, even though I wasn't sure what was going on. Wow, you got a whole, like, a Tiramisu goofy- Ice Cream. My gosh, what are you trying to do to me? I'm trying to uh, make you fat. Mm. Oh, very nice. Don't just, eat the, don't just eat the chocolate part. Eat the white. Eat the regular part too. I'm eating it. Because do you know? Mm. Here's mm-hmm. the key to that ice cream. Mm-hmm. Now, most ice cream obviously made it from milk and mm-hmm. cream and whatever, mm-hmm. or half and half sometimes, mm-hmm. whatever. The main dairy product in this ice cream, mm-hmm. mascarpone cheese. Mm. So it's mascarpone cheese. Two yeah. cups of it. And then some uh, milk or something. I, f- I forgot the exact recipe. Mm-hmm. It's very, very simple. And, but also has alcohol in it. Like a couple, few teaspoons of whatever. Uh, rum, I think. Very nice. So you like it, right? It's good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so the movie that Paul Walker, uh, Paul Walker's last film technically is a little thing called Ours. Um, and I have to say that, um, mm. yes, that good. Paul Walker's career uh, always, now do you want the rest of that or not? No, I, I'm, I'm going to work on it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul Walker's career to me, uh, I, I always felt he made just bad choices. I wish he had done more with his career than doing Fast and Furious and movies like ours. But there you have it. Um, it's just not that great. It's, uh, he, he plays this guy who, who he's, he's in New Orleans. He's with his pregnant wife who's gone into labor. And then, you know, the Hurricane Katrina hits. So I think that if anything else, although this film isn't that great, it's, at least showed Walker getting on the right track. Enough with the crappy movies. Although I, some of the Fast and Furious films were fun, but I'm just saying, like, go do go do a real movie. Yeah. And uh, so I think that he was maybe starting to put it together. God forbid. But unfortunately, he was uh, tragically killed. Um, so ours, if you're a big Paul Walker fan, I would go for that because it's pretty much his last film. I mean, the new Fast and Furious film will be released. Yes. With his with oh, him yeah, in it for sure. But in terms of like films that he completed, ours is the last. And I'm really surprised that ours did not get a bigger push. I thought that could have been kind of maybe a, a dark horse in some Academy Award categories at really? the end of the year. Yeah, wow. I thought there was. I thought there were some things that it might have been able to make a push for, but you know who knows. And then uh, back to the anime thing real quickly. Um, Excel World set one, which again more you know big eyed women and cool sci fi and, and weird weird little uh, sidekicks and all the usual things. Um, this is, takes place in the year 2046, 
And uh, it, it, the, the whole cyber technology, uh, cyberpunk aspect of this makes absolutely no sense to me. The Japanese invent technology for their movies that they never bother to explain. I just kind of went with it. The, uh, the artwork, artwork is amazing. This is one of the most interesting design-wise animes I've ever seen. A bunch of new um, uh, Naruto Shippuden uh, titles. One is Naruto Shippuden, the movie, Blood Prison. And uh, the other one is uh, Naruto Shippuden, set 17, which is episodes 206 to 218 of the series. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't possibly get into all the details of the, the Naruto Shippuden uh, saga. It's just endless. And it's got so many nuances. And it just it's all over the place. But it, um, the people who are into this, man... I, I'm confused because I only watch it once in a blue moon, but the people who are into it, they dedicate, like, their lives to it. I mean, it really, it is just, it is endless amounts and hours and hours and hours of stuff. Uh, Bleach is another one of those sagas, and uh, we've got a couple new Bleach uh, releases as well. Episodes uh, 256 to 267 and episodes 268 to 279. Uh, these are sets 18 and 19, respectively. And uh, also great artwork here. Bleach has always been one of the more uh, aggressively stylized uh, anime series and uh, is no different here. So those are two nice new releases. And then uh, one of my favorites. This is Blu-ray set one, two-disc set of Nura, Rise of the Yokai Clan. And uh, this is just great samurai stuff. You know, I, I love samurai movies and I love samurai anime. And um, I probably like samurai anime more than all the kind of sci-fi, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, uh, Atomic Age-inspired stuff. Really, uh, really, really awesome stuff. Super cool. So, uh, Nura, Rise of the Yokai Clan has, of course, been on DVD before. But this is, um, Viz has now released the first, the, uh, first 13 episodes on Blu-ray. And they look awesome. Absolutely awesome. And uh, this also comes with a really cool 30-day uh, access pass to Neon Alley, which is this new anime channel. So uh, they're you know doing a little cross-promotion there, and it's all good. A lot of cool artwork in the uh, special features section as well. Oh, wait, what do we got? We got uh, the Blu-ray of uh, Last Days on Mars. A, oh, my uh, goodness. Science fiction film that I kind of had a little bit of a... Uh, uh, this was disappointing. Yes, I was really curious about it, but it winds up yeah. being just uh, Liv Schreiber is a... Guy uh, with his crew on Mars are about to return to Earth, and uh, people we, can start talk, turning to zombies. We've seen it before. Zombies. We've seen, seen it so many it's times. It's now before. zombies on Mars, which yeah. is pretty much. It's like if I were to tell you that this movie's about zombies on Mars, you would think it's like a Roger Corman film. Yeah. Oh no, this is very serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Zombies on Mars. Yep. Last Days on Mars, quite, uh, uh, quite disappointing. Speaking of disappointing, we have Old Boy, which is the uh, remake of the uh, classic um, Hong Kong film. I have to say, uh, this thing is just a misfire all the way around. Man, was, is that a that that just, that film made me so mad. I think it I made was James so upset. You know, this film also made James Brolin mad. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Josh Brolin mad. Yeah. He's not a fan of this movie. But it's Josh Brolin, Elizabeth Olsen, and uh, Charlotte Copley, and uh, everything that worked in the Korean film, they changed. They doubled. Did I say Hong Kong when I said the old boy? Why did I say that? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. It's great, but the, the original is great. But this is just a misfire. Uh, yeah, Spike Lee. Who you? Were, you know what? You you were really hoping that Spike would somehow pull out the stops, man. And don't just put the guy on the little dolly and roll him along. Oh, he I always hate does that, that shot I'm with like so, the floating shot. I'm stop so that. sick of that. I'm so sick of that. I don't know why he keeps pulling that out. Just so depressing. Just, that's what. That's why I like movies like Back on like like uh, 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 Get on the Bus, right? Because Get on the Bus. They didn't have enough. He didn't have enough money to, to rent the dolly to put people on it. It's just. It's just. You just shoot the story. Don't do any of that weird crap that you do. Ugh, so annoying. Anyway, a movie called Cold Comes the Night, which is just one of those super dramatic titles that already annoys me. Like, if if you're calling your movie Cold Comes the Night, you'd mm-hmm. better be a comedy. Uh-huh. And yet you're not. No. It's almost like uh, remember that book, uh, Naked Came the Manatee. Uh, no. Not you don't remember familiar. Naked Came the Manatee? No, I'm not familiar with it. Naked Came the Manatee was a very famous uh, book because it was somebody wrote the, uh, a columnist wrote the first chapter mm-hmm. and then it was passed off to columnist after writer after writer after columnist and they would each write successive chapters and the next writer was obligated to continue the story as it was left to him. And the result is hilarious. Because obviously, once you hand the right, once you hand a story like that, a premise like that, to a comedy writer, yes. it winds up going to these outrageous places. And the result was called "Naked Came the Manatee," and it's a classic. Look it up, Wikipedia it. "Naked Came the Manatee." Wow. From this, we have "Cold Comes the Night" with um, Alice Eve 
and uh, Brian Cranston, who uh, I guess is a, you know, after all those years on that sitcom, you know, the guy is just badass now. He's badass all the time. He's yeah. badass here. He's, he's throwing a gun around. Anyway, this thing's pretty stupid. Um, there you go. Forget it. Yeah. I mean, really. Is, is anyone going to really... Uh, no, no, not really. Anyway, there's uh, the uh, uh, there's a nice try boy meets girl comedy uh, called Detroit Unleaded. It of course takes place uh, in Detroit, and uh, you know this um, uh, there's this immigrant gas station, and it's run by a by a cousin, and he's this kind of hustler, and he wants to blow up the gas business so that he becomes like a like kind of a gas mogul, and he meets this uh, this uptown girl. And they, create, girl. That's right, they have this uh, romantic comedy relationship. Fantastic. I don't, I mean, there's this one guy, Stephen Sorrow, is pretty funny as, um, as her brother, who's kind of like uh, very overprotective. He's kind of funny. But otherwise, yeah. this thing is just very low budge and uh, not that funny, a little bit charming. I like the fact that there's ethnic characters in it. I think there's not a lot of ethnic romantic comedies out there for people to enjoy here stateside. But uh, still, Detroit Unleaded is not that great. All right. Uh, I'm going to blow out a few last animes, and then I am going to blow Mark's mind, ladies and gentlemen. People, people have no idea. I'm going to blow Mark's mind. Why? I'm just going to blow your mind. You I'm going to blow me? your mind. Is no, no, I'm not. I'm going I'm to make you really upset because I'm taking it home. Um, Appleseed 13, Tartaros and Uranos. The, again, this is, this is just more incredibly high-tech, uh, heavily CGI'd, uh, just blow your mind out with video game-looking uh, stuff uh, anime. This is from Funimation. The whole Appleseed thing is just really pretty intense, and it's strictly for, for that gamer mentality. This is a uh, Blu-ray DVD combo set. And then we have new sets for um, One Piece and Fairy Tale. That's Fairy Tale T-A-I-L. These uh, just will not stop. The, this is Season 5, Voyage 5 of the, uh, the pirate-themed One Piece, which is just really funky and extreme animation. Episodes 313 to 324. And uh, for a fairy tale, this is Set 8, a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. It is, uh, you know, the, the, whole, the whole fairy tale world. It's this parallel kind of uh, humanimal world. It's very bizarre. And that brings me to something that's a little bit similar, which is uh, a little more manageable because it's a single, short, quick series, which is Kamisama Kiss, the complete series. And uh, as Kama I, Chameleon? Kamisama Kiss. You've got to love those. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of this fa- faction of anime where they want to make women like kind of sort of like pussycats. They have little ears and tails and things like that. This is kind of part of that world, um, and it's a it's a little bit naughty, and uh, you know the whole kind of uh, high school girl thing. I kind of got with the the, the, the genre fusion, and then uh, this thing called robotics semicolon notes, and uh, this is interesting. I never I was completely unaware of this, and. Uh, Anime fans really seem to love this. I trolled a, a few little sites online. It's got a lot of fans. I'd never heard of it because I just don't follow anime closely enough. Um, but it is one of the more interesting giant robot variations that I have seen. You know, anime sort of follows a lot of patterns. And when you get into the whole robotics thing and kids and robots and, you know, Johnny Sacco and all that stuff, it really uh, it, it kind of gets into a groove. This is interesting. This goes in a different direction. So, um you know, give that one a give that one a look, and it's it's suitable for kids too. Mark, Criterion, King of the Hill, it's there. Wade, tell the story one more time. This is the last time you'll ever be able to tell this story. So we're at the screening of uh, what the hell was that horrible black and white movie with Kate Blanchett and George Clooney? It was uh, it was a Soderbergh film. It was yeah. um, uh, uh, the European, the American, the yeah, whatever uh, it was. the ugly American. Yeah. Something. Anyway, so Soderbergh is there saying, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll eventually get around to putting Kafka and King of the Hill out. I've got to, you know, do this and that and the other thing. And, uh, of course, it never happened. That was years ago. Bloody hell, finally, 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 King of the Hill is out. Kafka, the whole recut of Kafka that he's been talking about doing, that's still in the works. Which, I, you know, I like that film. He I doesn't like Kafka. that film, and I like that film. I love Kafka. I think Kafka's an awesome movie, but he, uh, who knows why he doesn't like it. I don't know. Now, King of the Hill, by the way, is on Netflix, and I rewatched it yeah. about six months ago. So good. Yeah, it holds up. So good. I saw this at Cannes. This was at uh, Cannes in 1993 in competition. Uh, didn't get an enormous amount of traction because 93 was, of course, the, 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 the legendary year of the piano and uh, Farewell My Concubine and, 
you know, Schindler's List wound up winning the Oscar, and then you also had uh, uh, Remains of the Day in the Oscar pool. I mean, it was, like, in terms of the movies that were released in 93, that's one of the great movie years of all time. It's right up there with 39. It's just an amazing year, 93 was. And so, unfortunately, Soderbergh's King of the Hill, which was, uh, which is a great movie, like a top five movie in any other year, wound up kind of getting shuffled down in the, in the deck. And uh, it's too bad, because it is just such a good movie. Um... This is the movie, of course, that introduced everybody to Jesse Bradford. And it's the story of a kid and, and a family. It's not obviously the, uh, the, uh, the animated TV show. This is a kid and a family during the Great Depression. And um, just how he manages to get through every single day uh, along with his younger brother. And it is just so... It's so real. It's so honest. It's so beautifully shot. It's so... The, just the art direction, the music, everything is just... It just it's pitch perfect. And i got to say, this may be... The um, the best score that Cliff Martinez has ever written for a Steven Soderbergh really? movie. Really, I think I, so. I, I, I like Cliff. You know what? He he did a good score for Traffic. He did because he he doesn't do a lot of non. I mean, high profile wise, he yeah. doesn't do a lot of non Soderbergh, Soderbergh movies. No, that's, scores, that's... movies, but uh, Drive was good. Anyway, uh, this is this is a brand new 2K digital transfer. Uh, Pop down to uh, Blu-ray and DVD. This is a dual format edition, as all the new Criterions are. Fantastic sound mix, the, uh, the DTS uh, lossless. Just beautiful on the Blu-ray. And you also get new interviews with Soderbergh and with A.E. Hotchner, who wrote the book and who I remember very well being on the panel at Cannes in 93. Um, what, a, what a smart, erudite, kind of insightful old guy he was. Just beautiful. There's also a uh, visual essay called Against Tyranny, which is all about Soderbergh's uh, filmmaking techniques. You know what you also get on this, Mark? Um... The Underneath. Yeah. That's right. Yep. The underneath is on here. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, and it's weird because it's like, you know, a lot of people are going to be looking for the underneath all by itself and uh, not as necessarily an extra. Because it is, it's a remake of an old noir, which Soderbergh totally made his own. And I think the underneath is just an amazing film. So that alone is like, it's like you get, this is practically, this is a double feature, basically. And uh, a lot of other wonderful stuff. So this is just uh, superb. you got to get this for sure. It is, it is outstanding in every conceivable way just awesome and then also from Criterion which I uh, I was really looking forward to is Tess the uh, the Roman Polanski film from 1979 that put uh, basically took the Thomas Hardy novel and reinvented it with uh, Nastasha Kinski in this star making performance and uh, it's just fantastic Uh, this is a beautiful film I'm not usually a fan of Thomas Hardy uh, but this is maybe the best version of Tess of the D'Urbervilles ever put on film, uh, television or film. And the cinematography by uh, Jeffrey Unsworth and Gislin Clu- uh, Cloquet is to die for. And, of course, Jeffrey Unsworth is the cinematographer who did Superman in uh, 2001. And, um, man, is this good. This is just straight-up brilliant. So definitely check this out. A lot of outstanding extras here as well. Uh, featurette stuff from the you know the, the premiere and interviews and on and on the usual the usual stuff the one that I really thought was great on here there's this uh, little mini documentary that was done um, mostly location footage for French television while the film was being made and uh, it's it's really good stuff French French television behind the scenes documentaries for television are always really really interesting and um, I love how Criterion just tracks that stuff down and they and they lard it up with it it's beautiful so really really good. Uh, Wade, uh, we got we got some good ones from uh, Twilight Time. Twilight Time is getting uh, you know what they're getting very lucky because some of these films you've got to be I'm kidding, just amazed. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I mean Crimes and Misdemeanors. Are you kidding me? I know. So basically, I know. I, it, it, the studio, it the studio, and this is also marketed under the MGM 90th anniversary banner. It's got a little sticker on it, but yet, and you have to go to ScreenArchives.com to buy these. I mean, you you literally have to go to ScreenArchives. Dot com to get all this stuff, now, so you, it's you, not you, easily you, you, available. You're giving me this, of course. No, hell no. Are you kidding me? Fine. I'm going to watch that for the rest of my life, just like <laughs> Glenn Whip is, is going to watch... Uh... Eat, eat my ice cream. Okay. Uh, anyway, Crimes and Misdemeanors is one of Woody Allen's very, very best films. This was the... Um, it, I don't know that it was a smooth melding of the comedy and the drama, but the, you know because it was just so over the top with the mm. horse talking, whatever. But still, it's just the comedy is so brilliant, and the... And the uh, the the, the 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 moral issues are so stark and mm. fascinating, and Woody's great in it. And I think this movie is one of his very very best, a total masterpiece. Crimes and misdemeanors. Obviously, there's no extras, just like any other Woody Allen film. But um, you know, I, I usually don't advocate necessarily going to um, 
you know, websites to buy DVDs unless it's like something really obscure or some foreign thing can't get yeah. anywhere else. But this is really worth it. You've got to go get Crimes and Misdemeanors. It's it is fantastic. fantastic. Also from Twilight Time is Martin Ritz, just wonderful. The Front. This was Woody Allen's first um, dramatic role, I yeah. believe. He plays a uh, the guy's the guy's like a cashier, he's like a bookie. And during the McCarthy era, he becomes a front for a blacklisted TV writer, played by Michael Murphy. And uh, it has one of the great it is, it is a, it endings is a really where film. he tells the he tells the uh, he tells the House on American Activities Committee to just f yeah. themselves, yep. and it was just hilarious. And back in back in 1976, saying it is f- a, it, it, what makes it so interesting is it's a very unusual film for Woody, and it's an unusual film for Martin Ritt. And it takes them both out of their comfort zone, and it's it, it just becomes it's really one of those unusual kind of Hollywood um, oddities that, that gets a little bit lost. And everyone who's seen it really loves it, but not enough people have seen it. So there it is. It's on Blu-ray. Go check it out. Also, uh, check out Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. This is I the, love um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. This is the uh, directing debut of Michael Cimino, who would go on to uh, Deer Hunter. And um, I had heard stories about how I basically... Movie. Well, basically, Cimino, who was a first-timer, he, it was really Eastwood who was kind of really guiding Cimino yeah. to get through this thing. Yeah. But still, it's a pretty kind of forgotten film in Clint Eastwood's career. He, of course, plays, you know, the he plays a thief, and he hooks up with this kind of crazy young drifter dude played by Jeff Bridges, and he was not up for an Oscar for it, and George Kennedy's in it, and uh, it's great. It's great. I think it's a really fun film. Again, Shimino wouldn't go on to make any a film like this ever again. Uh, he would get pretty self-serious by the time he's doing Heaven's Gate and whatever. But uh, still, it's a good film. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot from Twilight Time. Also, we have the Blue Max. Now, uh, that's when war films were fun. <laughs> from the you know the Dirty Dozen era and the, the the Great Escape and all that stuff. The Blue Max is just great score, by the way. Blue Max is such an awesome score. It's Jerry Goldsmith, right? Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, I can't even read the back. It's Jerry of Goldsmith. Even yep. know. Jerry Goldsmith. Okay, good. Jerry Goldsmith. Anyway, it's about it's about uh, it takes place during World War One. Yeah, and it's a fun film. George Papard from the A Team, looking so young and handsome then as a German from soldier. The A Team. You mean George Papard from My Breakfast at Tiffany's? No, fine. Come on. Uh, this one I was not familiar with. The Eddie Duchin story. Yeah, the Eddie Duchin story is not a terribly great movie, but it's got a weird kind of following if you are an Eddie Duchin fan. And if anybody's out there going, "Who the hell was Eddie Duchin?" You're not going to like it. Now <laughs> it's just. But the thing that is simple. that in, in watching the movie, you realize that Eddie Duchin is kind of an interesting guy. Tyrone Power plays him. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he was a pianist who became like the. Big band leader back in the thirties, yeah. between the wars. But he was not a great band. I mean, he's you know, he's he didn't like his his reputation did not endure. Let's say no. But for um, all these Twilight Time films, I'm telling you, man, Crimes and Misdemeanors, no brainer. You know, it is total is, no-brainer. Is, I don't know where they got the print from that they struck the the Blu-ray from. Is it the best print out there? Certainly not. But who cares? It is Crimes and Misdemeanors. Get it. And uh, one other uh, interesting uh, new release from 20th Century Fox is the 300 Spartans. Now, this is, of course, the same story as 300. This is the original film uh, that, that tried to tackle the story of, you know, the 300 Spartan warriors and the Battle of uh, Thermopylae, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Richard Egan plays Leonidas here, and, you know, it's obviously uh, much less all tricked out and uh, Zack Snydery. But um, the... Uh, the only thing that I find interesting about this is that it's got a sort of uh, vintage Hollywood sheen to it. It's got that uh, you know 1950s, 1960s uh, Ben Hurish kind of deal going on. Not as good, obviously, but it, it, they're clearly making the effort. And then uh, by just coincidence, obviously, there's actually now from uh, History Channel and Lionsgate a uh, this release here a three disc collection last stand of the 300 and other famous greek battles which is six specials that aired on the history channel that center around various greek historical battles including uh, the battle of thermopylae and i'm thinking so the 300 spartans and this set that come out the same week that is so interesting to me mark why would that be I don't know, because they're cool because the sequel to 300 is coming to theaters 302 yeah, it's three. What, what is it? Three hundred. Um, like rise of uh, rise of an empire. Is that the crap. subtitle? Stupid thing? crap. Rise oh of stupid my crap. Gosh, it looks dreadful, doesn't it? It does. I didn't like three hundred. I just yeah. don't get it. We saw three hundred together in that 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 god awful IMAX infliction that just made our optic That's nerves start to bleed. That was exactly. horrible. I want to see nonstop. I have not. I, I, I got the screening. The I got the screening invite to nonstop. Nonstop. Really? That's the Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, super. Oh, you yeah. didn't get it. I did get it. 
I, I just forgot it. that I'd gotten it. I want to see it. I gotta tell you, dirty words, man. It is the best. Can't it is wait. so good. It is like it puts the mean back in meaningful. It really does. Anyway, speaking of uh, uh, History Channel trying to piggyback on everybody else, we also have a History Channel release, The Vikings Dark Warriors, because of course History Channel C has that show Vikings, <laughs> and so they're pretty much they're just d- d- trying to sell anything that they have that has anything to do with Vikings. Pretty clever. And then they also have released Noah and the Great Ark, three films telling the incredible story of the biblical hero. So uh, being very aware of the fact that the, uh, the, uh, the, f- the big feature film, Noah, starring Russell Crowe and directed by uh, Darren Aronofsky, is uh, shortly due to come out. And so they figured, well, you know, it's uh, going to be, Noah's going to be all the rage again. So uh, let's get out, uh, let's piggyback on that as well. And really there's nothing particularly spectacular here. It's, it's uh, pretty routine History Channel stuff. Um, but if you're, if you're kind of getting into the mood for the movie, I guess it'll, it'll prime you. I guess it'll do, a, it'll do, kind, of a, do kind of a thing. Um, it'll do kind of a thing? Yeah, it'll do kind of a thing. All right, Mark. Uh, Wait, know, is it Voxbox? It, it's time for that. <gasps> I haven't sang the song we for so long. We haven't done this in so long. Let it rip, Mark. It's Voxbox. Hi, Mark and Wade, it's Cheval Dixon. And while you guys were talking about Clifton Collins Jr. and how his career hasn't gone anywhere, it got me thinking of somebody else whose career hasn't really done much, and that's Eric Roberts. What the hell happened to his career? You know, he got Oscar nomination for Runaway Train, it was in Dark Nights, and then nothing really. So what do you think happened to his career? Why hasn't he really made it big? Uh, Keep it a good work, and thank you. Well, thanks, Chevelle, as always. Um, you know, that's a really good question, because Eric Roberts had that moment with Runaway Train where it was like, wow. And, and it wasn't just Runaway Train. It was also uh, the, uh, the, 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 the... Star oh, Wars? No, the... Uh, with, no, he, with, he, with, you realize that he, he, he was in, the, uh, in the, uh, the Batman film with the Joker. Eric Roberts. Oh, he was. he was. That's right. But but there was also the Pope of Greenwich Village. Pope, Pope, Pope of right. Greenwich Village is a great, yes. great movie. An amazing movie with Mickey Rourke. I remember, and he is so good in that. I, I, I remember Pope of Greenwich Village is like, wow, Eric Roberts, dude, you are on fire. And then suddenly his little sister came out and made some crappy movies, and then she's a huge star, and he went nowhere. And it was very weird. And now his daughter is like, she's making real movies, and he's still doing like AFM crap. I hit the mic. Yes, I know. That hasn't happened in a while. You've been coordinated. Good Thank job. You. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Been doing calisthenics? I do what I can. Good. The, uh, anyway, you know what? Here's my theory on Eric Roberts. Uh, reason number one, substance abuse. Because uh, Eric Roberts has obviously had his problems with whatever it is, whatever toxic substances you, he, he might like to ingest. And that you know, doesn't just make you not necessarily very functional unless you're Philip Seymour Hoffman, in which case you somehow find the way. But um, it also makes people oftentimes less inclined to want to work with you. And I think that is part of it. Uh, Eric Roberts is not the easiest person to work with. And, um, but other than that, I, I really don't know. I, it, he would certainly seem to be primed for a career renaissance, wouldn't you think? Uh, maybe in B-movies. He has a certain look that what are you going to put he, he, he has a rather hard Star 80 was another one of those films I mean he had yeah, that it, moment but, man but no but now he's in his whatever he's in his 50s whatever he's in now he looks like a B-movie villain yeah but somebody like like you know Tarantino would put him in a in I could see that you know sure. Tarantino does that for people he, he, will, he, he, will, he will resurrect yeah. his career in some fashion yeah. where he'll become cool again for like, yeah. one, like, like, like Robert Forster with uh, yeah. Jackie Brown yeah why not why not but I think ultimately you're right substance abuse hard to work with not aging well yeah you know not bankable uh, doesn't really have the look of anybody but a villain. And, 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 the other, and I think the other elephant in the room that we should talk about is that it is very, very difficult now for those career renaissances to happen because just in the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years, the business has changed radically. The distribution landscape has changed. Not as many people are going to movies. More people stay home. Streaming has emerged. And A-list actors show up all the time in straight-to-DVD movies. It used to be... There were actors who made movies for theaters and mo- actors who made movies that went straight to DVD. And now you're getting like Lassie Hallstrom and Richard Gere and you know Penelope Cruz and all, I mean, name actors who have stuff that Robert De Niro, it like goes straight to DVD, straight to Blu-ray. And you're <laughs> I like, sent that, what? I sent that email today to you guys. 
Oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was the, the Bagman starring Robert De Niro. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's just and 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 you realize it's just hard for everybody to make a living these days. So everybody is really out there, and it's and in an environment like that, for someone like Eric Roberts, to where where you know, much bigger stars, name stars, are slumming it in straight to video and streaming stuff just to you know pay the bills and make their boat payments. For him to somehow get a major movie. It's now that's an even bigger hill to climb. It's much, much more difficult. So it's a it's a harder environment to make those kinds of comebacks and and to pivot and make those career reinventions. That just doesn't happen anymore as it used to. So I, I you know he's um, I don't know you know he it, it could still happen, but he's he's kind of in a rut, and I'm not sure what it'll take to pull him out of it. But we like him. We like Eric. Yeah, why not? We like him. He's a good guy. Good guy. He smacks of the 80s. Um, foreign language films, Mark. Let's uh, get through some of these. Wait, the Grandmaster? Can I say something, Grandmaster? Say it. Say it. Do it. Didn't like it. Why? I, you know, it's just, it's so overshot. Really, I, I know it's like got the cinematography. Everyone's like mm. drooling over. Yeah. It's just one of those moves where like they're fighting in water and they're, they're, their arms slice through the rain. And just stop it already. I get it. Their yeah. arms slice through the rain. I get it. Wong Kar Wai, thank you for... Trying to resurrect yourself, I guess. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I love the film, but I'm a Wong Kar Wai fan. And, and I, I've seen both versions. The longer version, the original Hong Kong version, is a better film. It is a much better film. It is also an, a more opaque film. It's not as, it, it's not as easy to... Sort of, it doesn't give you the historical... It doesn't kind of put it on a cookie for you the way this one does. The Weinsteins made him make this very historically digestible. In the year so forth, you know, he blah, blah, blah. Yip Man did this, and then Yip Man did this. And it, it's sort of... It's very pedestrian that way. There's a lot of stuff in here that's not in the other version, but it doesn't change it. I gotta say, though, any movie with Zhang Ziyi being as good as she is in this, she's just luminous. The woman doesn't age. She's a bit of a bitch. I've been on the set with her before. But uh, but it doesn't matter. She's luminous, and she's a wonderful actress, and she looks great. I agree. And, uh, you know, Tony Leung, fantastic. I mean, uh, it's different from all the other Ip Man movies. Um, the others are much more populist. You know, there's four other Ip Man movies from two different directors. See, I, I, I like those films. They're fun. Yeah, because they're fun. This one is not fun. It's trying to be just People so... are punching in slow motion in rain. Stop that. And stomping. Hey, that's not new to me. It's cool. <laughs> It's Sorry. just cool. It's one, way, of most, it's one of the most beautifully photographed films no, I've ever not. seen in my life. No, it's not. It is. I'm tired of it. It's overshot, overlit, overcolorized, over over and brown wood. Everything. <laughs> it's just everybody's peering through things and and just stop it. It's just so overdone. Good looking Blu-ray though. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. But it's like, come on, <laughs> you know, shooting through slats in the wall. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> stop that. That's one car wide. Got to cut my break. Uh, King of the Facade, Masquerade, a, uh, a wonderful Korean film that's been out on DVD for quite some time uh, from CJ Media, who does, brings a lot of the Korean films over. Uh, this is a great uh, Chosan Dynasty movie uh, that uh, you know j- just really did very well in Korea and did okay business here. Um, about a guy basically who has to masquerade as the king. The king's gotten sick, and this guy has to do kind of the Dickensian thing and step into the king's shoes and pretend to be the king because he looks like the king. And uh, it's actually really fun, uh, and it's on Blu-ray now, and it's a great-looking Blu-ray, and it's a you know it's a very opulent period film, really good Blu-ray. This and film I love. This film is great. I, yes, it is. Unleash, dude. Talk about the talk uh, about the beauty of it. Waja. It's great, and and apparently they hate this in Saudi Arabia, which is understandable because yes, that is true. It's it's because it makes the education of, uh, of right. young girls seem like it's a good thing. Yep. Anyway, Wadja is this uh, 10-year-old girl living in uh, Saudi Arabia, and the actress who plays Wadja is just just great. She's yep. just a bright light in the universe. I just yep. love looking at her. Oh, she was so just terrific. And all she wants in the world is a new bicycle. Her mother won't give it to her, so she decides to enter a uh, contest at school to win the money for the bicycle. And this thing is just wonderful because this girl is so great. Yep. This girl, you are just riveted to this girl. She's so sweet. You just want to root for her. And I cannot uh, recommend Wadja. That's W-A-D-J-D-A from Sony Pictures Classics uh, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's just really good. It's, it, 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 it's a winning film that manages to indict Saudi Arabian society. So it's not like an angry film or a bitter film or it's overly dramatic film. But yet it does manage to kind of, as we're saying, put it out there that in Saudi Arabia, they don't like this film because it gives it tells 10-year-old girls that education is a good thing. 
And uh, for that, we love Waji even more. Yep. Also, we have um, the, from Criterion, the winner of the Palm d'Or this year, Blue is the Warmest Color, which is a three-hour lesbian love affair that I know you can start, no, I, I say that because you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, three hours of lesbian sex? It's, it's going to be unbelievable. Well, that's so not awesome. really what this is. <clears throat> no. You know what's, what, what's great about the way this film is shot is mm. that when the, when the two uh, lovers get together for the first time, not only are they, like, totally stark naked, Right, like big time, like X-rated Stark naked. But the way it's shot, there's no, there's no fancy lighting. No, they're laying on a bed. That's yeah. it. Although I have to say that that extended montage of of, of raw, sweaty lesbian sex in every conceivable uh, position, that sequence. The only thing that it detracts detracts from the movie is the fact that that sequence is like 25 minutes long. It is it's not it, 25 it's, minutes. It's long. like it's like at least 15 minutes long. It is long. That sequence just goes on forever. And I remember sitting there thinking. Okay, really? I mean, Kashish, I love you. You are a great filmmaker. Secret of the Grain, all the way, oh, dude. Yeah, you are, you are just of the a, grain. You are an amazing filmmaker. You just you just nail it. You go to the wall. But really, do you really? I mean, I, I get it. There are a couple of women, and they're and they're going at it. And I, you know, I've just been watching lesbian sex here for like the last twenty minutes, and I think I've seen enough. Frankly, uh, I need I need no to, downside. Yeah. Well. Anyway, Adele X. Archopolis, who had never done a film before, oh, is gosh. unbelievable. Why is she not up for Best Actress? I don't know. I don't think enough people saw the film. It's just, I think they just so uh, they're like three hour French movie uh, pass. So, but, what's great about the movie oh, is that she is, is, that it is phenom- she's well, we gave we gave her our Best Actress uh, award. Yes, we tied. did. She tied, didn't she? Was it a tie? She won the ties. No, uh, Leto and uh, Franco was one tie. The picture was the other. The picture was the other tie. Gravity and her. And then, oh, it was, it was Kate Blanchett and uh, yes, that's right, it was Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Gosh, she was good. She's great. She's and, so good. And it's three hours. I'm not saying it's not a long sit. However, you do get lesbian sex, which is good. But it's also just a beautifully detailed look at it. It's a very slow moving arc, but it's a complete arc. It makes sense. And uh, I thought it's great. It's, it's one of the great modern love stories. And uh, worth pointing out, too, this is the Blu-ray edition. This is not a combination edition, but uh, Criterion wanted to get this out fast in time for, you know, Oscars and so forth and so, yada yada. And uh, there is going to be a bigger, more elaborate, extras-laden version that is coming out uh, eventually late near the end of the year. But they want this out soon so that people could, you know, watch it. So another version is coming. You can rent this or whatever. You may double dip just so that you know it. It's, it's on the offing. Criterion was very open about that. Uh, a couple of really, really good titles from um, uh, Cohen, who I uh, do work for, I, in full disclosure. But these are both great films. You Will Be My Son. Did you watch You Would Be My Son? I did not. Gosh, it's really good. Because it was sitting in your house, and you did not lend it to me, so I did not see it. Niels Aristrup is... Uh, he's cool from a gosh, prophet. he's good, a prophet. He's just such a great old actor. And uh, despite that really miscast thing that they did to him in the, uh, in the War Horse, the Spielberg film, where that was he was talking, speaking English, it just didn't work at all. But uh, this is basically a modern variation on the, uh, the Prodigal Son, about a guy who runs a vineyard, his son's a loser, and then... Um, the son of uh, the guy who runs his estate uh, turns out to be actually more of a son, more filled with promise than his real son. Really interesting family drama set in a, a French vineyard. Very French, but uh, just a really, really interesting, compelling drama. And then an amazing movie that got no proper theatrical distribution, and it's such a, it's such a tragedy. The Artist and the Model. What a wonderful movie. This is from Spanish director Fernando Treba who won uh, the Oscar for Belle Epoque a million years ago. And uh, Treba is a wonderful guy. Um, if you've ever interviewed him, he's just, he loves Billy Wilder. He loves American movies. He's a real classicist. He's got a lazy eye. It's a little bit, you know, he's like Shaquille O'Neal. You know, you're never quite sure where he's looking when he's looking at you. And, uh, but he's just such a good filmmaker. He has such a classic sensibility. Made another film, by the way, with Penelope Cruz called The Girl of Your Dreams. Also got no distribution, which is about a bunch of Spanish actors that Franco sends to do a, a, a movie in Berlin on the eve of World War II. And, you know, there's, there's some re- like Goebbels is chasing Penelope Cruz around. I mean, a great movie. George Goebbels chasing Penelope Cruz? Perfectly balances, like, the, 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 you know, the wartime sensibilities with this kind of light comedy. And you think, how are you going to pull that off? And he does. He nails it. Great film, never got distribution. Anyway, uh, The Artist and the Model is also a, uh, a World War II era film set in, uh, set in occupied France about a uh, sculptor who finds you know, his muse, and it's all shot in black and white, and it's wonderful, and it reminds me a lot of uh, La Belle Noiseuse, which is uh, another amazing three-hour film that uh, Jacques Rivette made uh, with uh, 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 Philippe Noiré, I think it was, wasn't it? Philippe Noiré and La Belle Noiseuse? Absolutely. Emmanuel Bayard was the, was the, the model right. anyway. Um, was it Philippe Noiré? I can't remember. Anyway, 
Great movie. One of the greatest movies about, uh, about art I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, and this is similar, The Artist and the Model. It is just a wonderful, wonderful movie, beautifully photographed, incredible black and white. Claudia Cardinal, Jean Rochefort, you got to check it out from Cohen Media on Blu-ray. Fantastic Blu-ray also along with uh, You Will Be My Son on Blu-ray. Um, Mark, we are, we're getting close to me having to uh, blow out of here, so uh, let, me, let me just bring this pile of PBS titles in here. Mm. When, we, when we, got, we fell behind last year uh, a little bit, uh, missing a bunch of shows at the end of the year on some PBS documentaries, so here, just to let you know, this is what we've got uh, on the PBS front. Um, at the Edge of Space, this is an, ish- an episode of Nova. Uh, that is all about this uh, this weird kind of freaky part of space that is very theoretical and nobody quite knows what's going on. And it's very interesting, but it's very Nova-y. Meet the Koi Wolf. Uh, this is a nature thing about these creatures that are part coyote and part wolf. And uh, i got to tell you, I've been watching this coyote near where we live, which is like this mangy old thing that's about to die. Very sad. Very sad. Uh, I'm not a fan of coyotes. Not really a fan of wolves, so didn't didn't vibe to it. Another great Nova asteroid, Doomsday or Payday. Uh, you know that big asteroid came very close to Earth, like uh, 18 million miles away. I know. Close call. That's a cl- 18 million is a close uh, call. Whatever. In cosmic terms. Yeah, whatever. Uh, this is uh, basically about the asteroid that blew up over uh, Siberia, and uh, you know, kind of freaked people out a little bit. And um, you know, whatever. It's Siberia. I don't really care. It's Putin's problem, not mine. April Bloomfield, Mind of a Chef, Season 2. More food stuff with uh, this British chef lady who, um, you know, doesn't make food that I particularly want to eat. But, you know, if you you like the series, rock on. Uh, And then there is the American Experience documentary 1964, which uh, revisits a year when I was not alive. I'm so glad I can say that. Makes me feel young again. Very few years now can you say that about. I know. It's true. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, basically the standard American experience uh, look back in time and uh, at a very pivotal year in terms of all kinds of domestic and foreign affairs. Very nicely done, very uh, summational. Uh, Lincoln at Gettysburg is an interesting uh, look at the one thing that we don't know about Gettysburg, which is that the Telegraph played a huge part in that whole particular incident so it was you know there's this is kind of saying this is when the information revolution really began fascinating point of view not sure i agree but it is what it is uh the state of arizona uh this is actually uh all about the uh the immigration struggle in arizona but what's interesting is that if you get this this is um uh part of uh i forget who what company made this these it's a sundance institute thing independent lens that's what it is independent lens did this for for pbs you know, Arizona just passed that law, which a lot of people, is, they're saying it's like the anti-gay law that lets right. you use religious beliefs to, you know... Which it is. Which, well, I read the text of the law. It's, there's a lot, it's very strange. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of screaming on both sides. It's actually a pre-existing law that they tweaked. And there are a lot of, like, cross-outs and then word changes. And it's, it's really kind of cryptic. Why don't they just pass a law saying that that businesses can refuse to refuse service to anyone. Why that, is it gay that specifically? Is, that's apparently what it says. But they're but the, but the 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 because of the the uh, the groups that sponsored it, they're saying they're doing this specifically to target gay groups. Again, I'd have to talk to a lawyer. I'm not gonna you know I'm I'm not gonna get caught in the in the war of words. But it's a very weird thing that they did. That they went to a pre-existing law. And, did, and crossed out certain words and added new words and kind of tweaked the law in some very strange ways. And I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I can't make heads or tails of it. But it is a very strange thing. I've never heard of anyone doing that before. Oh, you, you write a new law or you throw away an old law. But you don't go to a pre-existing law and start going, oh, I see there's a typo there. We've got to edit this. and this. It's a very strange thing. But anyway, Arizona, bottom line is Arizona just, it's like. That's a, a screwed up state. That is <laughs> it's a messed up state. I don't know state. what's going on down there. It's just, if it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, Spies of Mississippi. It uh, goes back again to the year 1964, and this, uh, speaking of, this is about the uh, campaign to stop Freedom Summer's civil rights movement in uh, 1964. Uh, this is a really, really good doc from the uh, Tribeca Film Institute, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Cold Case, JFK, is a Nova installment, which comes a little bit too late for all the, uh, the JFK fuss of, of late with the anniversary, and uh, it's a, it's, you know, it's, 
It tries to take a forensic approach to it that doesn't quite work, but it's all right. Uh, Chasing Shackleton is about a bunch of guys who are trying to uh, retrace the route that Shackleton did. Not that interesting. The Amish Shunned is an American Experience uh, documentary about a bunch of people who uh, got basically booted from the Amish uh, community or, or decided to leave. And it's about uh, how, you know, kind of their fish out of water experience, realizing that uh, being out of that very insular kind of uh, hermetic community isn't all it's cracked up to be. Great frontline documentary, uh, A Death in St. Augustine, uh, which is a really very, very disturbing look at domestic violence. The, uh, and then lastly, uh, Hawking and the Prisoner's Handbook, Killer Chemistry. Um, Hawking is all about, obviously, Stephen Hawking. And um, I've seen documentaries about Stephen Hawking before. Uh, obviously, the um, the the uh, what's his name, uh, the the Errol Errol no, Morris, Jimmy the Errol Morris, a brief history of time. Yes, doc, correct. Very much kind of blends uh, his biography with you know his his theories and does a really good job of it. There's nothing here that I found particularly new. I thought Errol Morris did a much more poetic job of uh, of going into these particular details. But that said, Hawking's life is extraordinary, and he's one of the uh, most uh, enigmatic individuals who's ever lived. And then the Poisoner's Handbook is um, the Killer Chemistry is um, a, kind of a, a fascinating look back. This is courtesy of WGBH in uh, Chicago. Uh, this is an interesting look back at the uh, about almost a hundred years ago when everything changed with respect to forensic investigation and how they decided, you know, to, how you sort of uh, approach crimes from a forensic chemical standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint. Um, actually very, very interesting, a little bit nerdy, but it, uh, it fills in some fascinating blanks about how modern detective work, at least in that forensic and, and chemical and scientific area, became what it is today. So a lot of great stuff from PBS. Definitely worth checking out if you are a documentary fan. Um, Mark, Lastly, before we uh, cut out on the show early, uh, there is a documentary here that I wanted us to talk about because it, uh, it gets released at a very unfortunate time. We've been talking lately about all the deaths in the last three months. I mean, just nonstop deaths, expected and unexpected. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Peter O'Toole. Harold Ramis. Jo- Joan Fontaine, Harold Ramis. On and on and on and on. One of them is uh, Bob Casal. Bob Casal, however you pronounce the name. Uh, otherwise, I always knew him growing up as uh, Bob Two in Devo. Oh, and uh, he recently passed, and that is just—that's like my childhood evaporating before my eyes to see a member of Devo go. Um, there were two brother teams in Devo, of course. There were the Mothers Bob brothers, and then uh, the uh, the Casal brothers, Bob and Gerald, uh, Mark and Bob Mothers Bob. Bob Mothers Bob got to be Bob number one. So now, but, Mark Mothers Bob became a rather noted. Uh, he's a, still a composer, great composer. Uh, TV shows and. Well, this is 20 of their music videos in Devo, The Complete Truth of about De-Evolution, and uh, tons of performance footage and uh, extras and, and uh, of course, videos. And the, the music videos, Devo was such a, you know, it just, this, this arrives at just a, such a sad time. Devo was such a groundbreaking group in terms of the music videos. I mean, they. they oh were, yeah, I mean they—they they were the ones who look. They were they were a, a freaky new wave group. Yep. Kind of like Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And they were avant garde. They were out there. They wore the funny hats and yeah. looked, they looked like round Legos. Yeah. And uh, their videos were never very expensive or never no. very elaborate, but they were always striking. Always striking, and and their videos had they they had motifs in them that would carry from one to the other, and it wasn't just you know the flower pot hats and the. You know the, uh, the the yellow outfits and things. I mean, there were certain other weird motifs like bougie boy. You know, just bizarre things that that just sort of created this universe that Devo occupied, and um, it made the videos kind of the equivalent of a viral hit at the time. And included here is just great stuff: uh, the Devo corporate anthem, Secret Agent Man Giacomo, uh, their version of Satisfaction, which is so unbelievably funny, I can't stand it. Uh, Whip It, Girl You Want, Freedom of Choice, uh, Love Without Anger, Beautiful World, Time Out for Fun, Peekaboo. We can read every one. No, I'm just going through the, the, the major ones. Uh, the Dr. Detroit uh, theme song uh, and Postmodern Man. Um, Big Mess is the only one that's not here that I, uh, I just adore. So it really, and it's, uh, it's really interesting. There's a commentary here with Mark Mothersbaugh and Gerald Casal. 
and a film called Mongoloid and an interview with director Chuck Statler. And it's just, you know, if you're a Devo fan, this nails it. It's got everything. It's got everything you could possibly want. So um, in honor of Bob 2, I would say definitely check that out. So with that, Mark, we are, uh, we're about wrapping up. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Frolic and Fun. We, we're still looking for a good outro, aren't we? Yeah, but we also haven't recorded the new intros. I know we haven't. We, we're, we're still in a little catch-up mode. End of last year threw us bit for a loop, but we will get there. So meanwhile, send your Vox boxes, send your, um, your emails, send anything that you want to gods at digigods.com. We try to answer uh, as many of the emails, if not all the emails, as we can. And uh, we are looking for listener mail and Vox boxes. So go ahead and send everything to gods at digigods.com. And until next time... Uh, the balcony is uh, being no, no. The, the balcony is being fumigated. 